Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 40 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TabEase.com, the best Delta edible on the market. First week of college hoops is in the book, and another week of Big Ten football is behind us as well. And I am joined today by my friends and co-hosts Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Before we dive right into the sports world, let's say hello to the boys. Casey, Hayden, how are you guys doing tonight? Oh, could be better for me, but we'll dive into that here in a little bit when we talk about college basketball. No, but other than that, doing all right, man. I can't wait for these next two days to be over with so that I can finally get to my Thanksgiving break. You guys both, teacher Thanksgiving breaks got to be really exciting for this time of year. There's one benefit, I guess, to being a teacher. This is one, definitely at least on the short list of it right here. Hayden, you got your own Thanksgiving break coming up here. Does that consist of some coaching in there as well, or is it a true five-day break for you? Oh, it's it's never a five-day break, buddy. <laughs> it's always going at it. We actually, so I think I can say this because they posted it on Facebook, but our head coach had their first baby last Saturday during the highest, not during, but just last Saturday, I guess. And so he's been out obviously for understandable reasons. So me and the other coach have kind of been running practice this, this week. So things are, things are going by pretty quick. What do you mean by going by pretty quick? Sorry. That's just a me question. Oh, you know, just more, more things to, to say and talk about. And he's been giving us, he actually live streamed our scrimmage last night. We had a scrimmage uh, up in Toledo. So he was able to live stream and give us live stream it and give us feedback. So we got to do that during practice today. So just, just a little more hands-on, I guess I'd say. I'm not too familiar with the Ohio high school basketball scene. It has your regular season. It's got to be coming up here in the next few weeks or so though, right? Our first game was scheduled for the Friday after Thanksgiving, but uh, the team we were playing is still in the football playoffs and you know being a small small school and a small conference a lot of our basketball teams share football players with the football teams so we pushed it back and we start uh, about a week and a half or so later than we normally would but it would be coming up here the day after Thanksgiving but push back due to high school football honestly that's Probably not the end of the world, though, because you're going to be focused on other things that weekend after Thanksgiving, as we know we always are. My natural segue here is going to be my first thought for you guys is that I've been watching a lot of the Gavit tip-off games here, and I didn't really ever dig in too much into them. It's more the Big Ten or ACC challenge, typically, for me. But with us doing this podcast, I did a little bit of the dig into the research of that. I never realized how tightly contested it's been in the five years so far in this existence, Big Ten winning two of the years, three of the years being tied. Unfortunately for the Big Ten fans and for our podcast, we're 0-4 right now. We'll get into that here with our basketball recap right after we dip into the Casey recruiting corner here. But a little weird start to the Big Ten basketball season. Not anything that I think that we're too worried about right now, but just some things to keep an eye on nonetheless. But we'll jump into our actual topics now with Casey's recruiting corner before we get into basketball. Is there anything new out there? Anything big? We saw Ohio State fans, at least. Sonny Styles news. But beyond that, what else has been going on in the Big Ten recruiting world, Casey? Yeah, bear with me here as I'm still not able to get my Word document up. Michigan today actually landed a nice commitment from a four-star linebacker out of Illinois. 
for the 2022 class. Wisconsin added a, a nice-sized linebacker from Arizona. He's a three-star. He's 6'4", 240 pounds. I, I think that's it since the last time that we uh, – oh, nope. So, Illinois did get a uh, three-star safety as well. So, that's that's really all that we've seen out of the 2022 commitments. And then, yeah, Wally, you're right. Sonny Styles coming into Ohio State. I didn't see any indication that that was going to happen. Hayden, you could tell me if I'm if you saw anything, any lead up to that. But that kind of surprised me a little bit. And then Illinois did get a, a big-time commit today on the basketball recruiting trail. They got a top 55 guy, Ty Rogers. He's also from Illinois. So a little bit of, a little bit of recruiting news this week, but that's all we have. Appreciate the update as always, Casey. We'll stick it with basketball here to start us anyways. A busy first week and a half here for the college basketball slate, in the Big Ten at least. Let's dive into some of the negative first before we flip it around and do some positive talk. The first two days, I mentioned the Gabbitt tip-off games. Big Ten is 0-4. Monday night, we started it off rough, where the Big Ten went 1-3, Ohio State being the only win against BGSU. But the two games against Big East opponents, Illinois loses their final game without Kofi Coburn to Marquette on the road. And then you had Wisconsin lose to Providence at home in Madison as well. And then on Tuesday, Michigan was shocked at home by Seton Hall. We'll get Casey's reaction in a second. And then you had Nebraska lose more than just a game to Providence, more than just a game to Creighton, where they lost Trey McGowan's, Bryce McGowan's brother, to a broken foot. And he's one of the best perimeter defenders on that team. So it's going to be a pretty big loss. Of these first four losses that we're talking about right here, is this anything that we need to be worried about from a season-long perspective? Or is this just a blip? Teams are getting their feet under them. And we're going to just have to expect some growing pains. To be honest with you, I think it's a little bit of both. We still are very early in the season I'll go on my my little Michigan rant here. There are a lot of things that I see from this team defensively that, that causes a lot of concern for me, I guess. Now, I know giving up 67 points to a, a probably tournament team in Seton Hall is nothing to really be ashamed of. But if you watch the game and, and Michigan the first three games, they're out of place. And they are they are leaving guys wide open. It just does not look good. The communication looks really, really bad. So that is definitely a concern for for me, for Michigan. And the two people that really stand out are are Devontae Jones and and Caleb Houston on the defensive side of the ball. Jones, he just does not have the lateral quickness that Michigan point guards have had the past, shoot, decade now. And it really showed late in the game last night when he, you know, was 35 feet away from the basket and he – and he fouled the the Seton Hall point guard and gave him four free throws out of that. They were in the double bonus late in the game and, you know, two fouls 35 feet away from the basket because you can't move your feet. will cost you a game, and it, and it did last night. And then Caleb Houston, he's athletic, and he's a good offensive player. He didn't have a good game last night. But, man, I don't, th- I don't know if it's effort or if he just turns it off on the defensive side of the ball, but he is definitely a liability on the defensive side of the ball. But then on top of that, you know, you can't expect to you can't expect to have lapses like that on defense and shoot 
3 of 15 from the three-point line. They started out 0 for 11 last night, and they were actually in the lead and had an 11-point lead in the second half while shooting. They finished at 20%, but they, like I said, started out 0 for 11. And then, ironically, their free-throw shooting was was fantastic last night until Terrence Williams gets uh, gets fouled with 0.8 seconds left, misses the, the first shot of two, and then tries to intentionally miss the second one to get for a chance for a, a little tip in there and ends up banking it in. So it's just ironic how, how that happened. But, you know, all that being said, not too worried yet. They, you know, they're going to shoot the ball better and hopefully fix the issues that they've had on, on defense so far. Looking at these four games, negative games, the four losses here, Hayden, did you have any takeaways that you think we're going to see throughout the course of this season or just early season struggles right now? No, I I really do think it's just early. The part of college basketball that's getting into gear and, and tough on these kids, obviously these teams aren't playing very well to start. And I think that's totally normal. I think it's it's something, especially when you look at a team like Michigan, they have some of these younger guys who, you know, you know, they play high level high school basketball and they play AAU ball and whatnot, but they're not playing college basketball against kids that are, you know, three and four years older than them. I think that does have a huge impact. And, you know, I'm not concerned about Michigan or, or really anybody yet on the list just because of, of how early we are in the season. Let's stay with you, though, and talk about some positive things as well, because there were some positive signs and some good things that we got to see here out of some Big Ten teams. I think most notably, you have to start with Purdue. Their bigs are incredible. It's scary, actually, how much length they have and how athletic the length is. Zach Eady and Travian Williams dominated early and often in their game a few days ago. I can't remember what team they beat by 40. And then a couple other ones. Minnesota, you have to at least be nice since we've been dogging their basketball program all offseason. They are 3-0, and I know that they've been struggling to get their wins, but at the end of the day, a team like this, at the start of a rebuild, it's encouraging to see that they are able to get to 3-0 and win a couple close games. And the last thing I'll say before I go to you, Hayden, to hear your thoughts, Iowa, Keegan Murray, he went off for 27 points and 21 boards against NC Central in a win in a game that was a little bit closer than I think Iowa would have liked it to be, at least for the first half of these games, even ones I didn't mention, Shining Stars, anything that you can look at and be really excited for and say that maybe a few of these other Big Ten teams were better than we expected them to be? You know, I I wasn't going, I'm not going to go as far as saying better than expected, but before you even ask me any questions or anything, I was looking at Minnesota because I know we had talked about them and some of the problems that they might face this year. But like you said, they are 3-0, and I know they literally haven't played anybody. But as a Minnesota fan, I think that should be encouraging a little bit. I, I don't know, obviously, if that's going to be sustainable as we get towards tougher competition with Big Ten play and whatnot. But I, I do think that's a big positive for them. Casey? Staying on the positive train, of the performances we've seen so far, what has stood out to you the most? Wow, staying positive, huh? So your two top teams in the in the conference lose lose a game that I guess that they should win. Purdue is handling business. You know, Ohio State finally was able to blow somebody out. 
on Monday night. Although Bowling Green, my gosh, that first half they I I didn't even watch the second half because I thought BG was that bad. But that that was a good sign, you know, that Ohio State was able to get a lot of balanced scoring that day. Other than that, you know, can somebody please win a, a Gavit tip-off game? That'd be nice. I know that wasn't positive, but I had to throw that in there. I hate to break it to you, Casey, but uh, Michigan State is, what do we say, a three-point favorite at Butler tonight. And if I was betting on this, I am hopping all over Butler plus three, and I'd probably sprinkle a little money line action. I don't, I don't think it's going to be good for Michigan State tonight. And that would be brutal, too, to get your first ever Gavit tip-off game lost to the Big East being in that fifth game. You go 0-5 to start, that's pretty brutal. It makes you kind of remember those old Big East days when the Big East was the basketball conference. But we'll go to football now. Last night, we had the college football playoff rankings announced yet again. I don't feel like it was as, what, turbulent as we saw in the first couple. I didn't feel like there were as many question marks as you were leaving with as we were in the first two. A lot of that, I feel like, will play itself out. We had five Big Ten teams ranked. Ohio State 4, Michigan 6 again. Michigan State 7, Wisconsin at 15, and Iowa 17. Purdue did fall out of this. Were there any of these rankings that either bothered you, felt like a team should be higher, felt like a team should be ranked, anything like that? From a big Big Ten perspective, no, not really. I mean, the top five teams that are in the conference are, are ranked in the top 17, so that doesn't really surprise me or uh, you know bother me at all. I think it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on how high Wisconsin can climb in the rankings before the Big Ten championship game. Assuming that they win the next two games, you know, if they can creep up to that 12-11 or even the, the top 10 with three losses, that would be outstanding for the Big Ten and, and enhancing their chances of getting in the playoff. Yeah, highest-ranked three-loss team. Question then, going off of that highest-ranked three-loss team, we saw Purdue fall out and we saw a four-loss team ranked ahead of them. If there was anything that I was trying to nitpick, I thought it was kind of confusing that the committee would overreact so much to Purdue winning a few weeks ago, put them all the way up to 19 just to kick them out of the top 25 going on the road and losing to a top five ranked team in Ohio State. So that was weird. But beyond that, from a Big Ten perspective, I feel like the Oklahoma loss really kind of made things a lot more clear. And as long as nothing catastrophic happens, we'll see a Big Ten team in the playoff unless Wisconsin decides to play spoiler in the Big Ten Championship game. We do want to remind you guys that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not in the Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tab Ease offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, TabEase.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. So please make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Co. That's Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O, to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabease.com 
and with the promo code BIG10, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Now let's just jump right into our game previews right now. With the first one, we're going to talk about the number seven Michigan State Spartans go to Columbus to the number four ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Without a doubt, the most impactful game in the Big Ten this weekend. Ohio State is actually coming into this game again with another huge line. They're favored by 19.5 points with the over-under set at 67.5. We have a rare Big Ten battle with Heisman implications for both sidelines. Who has better games for their resume this weekend? C.J. Stroud or Kenneth Walker III? Hayden, we'll go to you first, a resident Buckeye homer. What do you got for us? Do we win in cover or do we see Michigan State keep this a lot closer than the experts think right now? I truly believe that Ohio State should score at will, as long as, you know, they're playing well, should score at will against this Michigan State defense. And just looking at the defensive rankings here for Michigan State, their passing defense is absolutely atrocious. What is the one thing that Ohio State does the best probably is throw the ball. So I don't know. I think Ohio State's going to score a ton of a ton of points. On the other hand, though, I, this is truly the first time since probably the Oregon loss, right? That Ohio State is playing an offense that you know they're not great at at throwing the ball, but they're you know they're adequate. They they can do it. And I feel like it's the first true test for this defense against an offense that can do a little bit of both. Obviously, you have to you have to try to you're not going to stop, but try and slow down the the rushing attack with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. You can't let him go bananas like he did in the Michigan game. That's that's a recipe for having Michigan State hang around in this game. Good thing for us is I think we can not stop him, but but slow him down a little bit. So I'm taking Ohio State minus nineteen. And I'm taking the over just because I do think even if Ohio State slows him down a hair, Michigan State's still going to score a a decent amount of points. Casey, then for you, I want to ask a two-parter similar to what Hayden's question was. Who has the better game between C.J. Stroud and Kenneth Walker III? And on the second part of that, do you think that Mel Tucker has this Spartans team in a position to be the opponent Ohio State remembers from 2011 and 2015? Yeah, I'll answer that last one first. I do. I think Mel Tucker's got this team overachieving and and really believing that they can win any game, and I think that that goes a long way. As far as who has a better game, I wouldn't be surprised if they both have really good games, but if I'm going to lean one way, I have to go with C.J. Stroud because of how bad Michigan State's secondary is. Ohio State's defensive line is is good and typically are better against the run than they are at pass rushing. So I, I think Walker might get 100 yards, but I think it's going to be a, a hard-earned 100 yards if he does. But Hayden, you were, you were right on, man. I think Michigan State does pose some threat to Ohio State because of how balanced they are offensively. You know, they average 250 yards passing and almost 200 yards rushing. And, and I think the big thing, the big key is um, whether or not Jalen Naylor plays. You can kind of tell how different this offense is when they are focused on getting just, uh, is it Jaden Reed or J- Jalen Reed? I think it's Jaden. I was supposed to write it down earlier. He's had a monster season in his own right. Yeah, I think it's, it's Jaden Reed. So, you know, you can tell how different 
It is, and it's obviously a lot easier for for coverages to to focus on one guy rather than two. So keep an eye on that. But you know, Michigan State is one of the better Big Ten teams this year against the spread. They're seven two and one. And in a big game like this, I, I think I'm going to roll with the with the numbers here and go Michigan State plus 19. I, I'm going to take the under as well, just because I think Michigan State knows they're the less talented team, in this, and so they're going to try to control that football more and limit Ohio State's offensive possessions. So I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game for Ohio State, you know, compared to what they did last week and l- lower in terms of their points per game. But I still think they're going to win – 38 to 24. I actually am not too far away score-wise, but I'm on the opposite side of both of the picks. I have Ohio State to cover, and I have the over of hitting here. I have Ohio State winning 48 to 24 in this game, and I think that that's because I have Ohio State playing a clean game and not turning the ball over. I think if they do, you're going to see Michigan State cover this game, but if Ohio State is able to get a lead early in this game, and the way Michigan State's passing defense looks, that's very possible. And if it does happen, if Ohio State's managed to get up two scores, I don't know if Michigan State is going to stay as balanced as they typically are. And that's the reason why I'm a little bit worried about Peyton Thorne being able to be asked to go win this game if they fall behind early. And I don't think he really has that capability to do that. Even so, I mean, like all of his success this year has typically come when the team is balanced. And when Nebraska took away Kenneth Walker III, you got to see a lot less dynamic of an offense. It's happened a few times this year. I think Ohio State's able to slow him up just enough. A couple key stats. You've heard me say this a few times, but I thought it was interesting. They have the worst passing defense in the Big Ten by 67.5 yards ahead of, ironically, Ohio State at 13. So that's what it's going to come down to, which one of these pass defenses is able to step up. And I think that given the lead and everything, it'll be Ohio State's to do so. But we'll see. Again, I have Ohio State 48-24. Anybody else, one final word on this game? I don't think it's really a question of whether Kenneth Walker gets 100 yards or whatever number you want to set it at. It's going to be if he gets it on... 18 carries or if he gets it on 27 carries like you know that's gonna make a huge difference if Michigan State's just gonna pound the rock all day and uh they're gonna average three yards a carry I think Ohio State's gonna be like okay fine but it gets it's where he's getting five and six yards of pop where this game could get could get potentially scary for Ohio State well and we've saw even we know about the Ohio State Michigan State game in 2015 which is ironically the last time they won in this matchup you saw Ohio State get away from what they do. So it's. I think this question in this game really does turn into who's willing to put their nose to the limestone and just keep with the game plan even if it doesn't work early in this game. I do have a question. How many points does Michigan State have to hold Ohio State to to win the game? 31 to 34, I'd say. Wow, that's exactly what I thought in my head. 31 was the first number that popped in my head. I mean, I think I agree. The problem for them is if this if this is, you know, the Ohio State offense, obviously, that we saw last week or any version of that, I really don't think there's any chance that they do considering how uh, Michigan State's played, played defensively this year. Yep, going to have to get off the field on third downs in this game, especially early on. 
But let's go into our next game here where Purdue is traveling to Northwestern to face the Wildcats. Purdue's an 11.5 point favorite here, and the over-under is set at a 47.5. Northwestern's run defense is terrible, but Purdue can't run the ball. What's going to give in this game? Like I mentioned in our recap show, I thought Purdue was effective running the ball against Ohio State for a little bit last week, so maybe they can build some momentum off of that. I, I mean, I, that passing game is good, and we watched it last week against Ohio State. They threw for 380 yards and no turnovers. I really think that Purdue is going to win this game and win it fairly easily. So I got them covering the 11.5, and, and I am going to take the under, though, because I do not think Northwestern will be able to score very much just because that offense is not good at all. So I have Purdue winning 31-10. to 10. And we'll go to you now. Same question. What's going to give here? We have two obvious deficiencies going at each other here with the run games. Yeah, and normally I would say in this game that the team who is no longer bowl eligible might just be done with the year. You know, they're 3-7. and seven. But not with Pat Fitzgerald. And I think Northwestern will come out and play hard. I just don't think they're good enough. I think Purdue will be able to get enough going through the air and, and you know, like Casey said, they, they showed some signs of life last week on the ground just a little bit. So, you know, I think that might continue. Uh, I have Purdue minus the 11 and a half, but I have the under just because like we've all said before, Northwestern's office just isn't good enough to uh, make me a believer. I think that the reason I have Northwestern plus 11 and a half here, Purdue wins, but I have Northwestern plus 11 and a half here is because of Pat Fitzgerald and what he's been able to do in this kind of matchup. We've seen Purdue. We know that they always can throw the ball. This year, it's a little different. It's a little bit of a tick up than we've seen the last four or five years. But we've seen Pat Fitzgerald be able to have his team ready and keep everything in front of them. I think it's going to be a defense with that goal of creating turnovers this week and making Purdue actually commit to running the ball to win this game, they're going to turn the ball over enough to keep it close enough. I have the under here as well. I have Purdue winning 24-14, to 14, but I think that Pat Fitzgerald has his team ready to play, and they're able to at least give Purdue a little bit of fits. I, we often talk about the look-ahead games, but sometimes on the flip side, Purdue just played two very tough battles, and now they have to face a Northwestern team that doesn't seem to have a lot to play for. I can imagine that would be pretty easy to at least overlook this game, and I think that's the reason why I'm going with Northwestern to cover. Rutgers is traveling to Happy Valley to face Penn State, who is a 17.5-point favorite, the over-under set here at 46.5. Penn State's dominated this series forever. They're 29-2 all-time, 7-0 with James Franklin in the Big Ten era, and they're winning those games by an average score of 20.8. Rutgers is coming off a huge win when we thought they might have quit on the year. Scored 38 points. It was the first time they even scored more than 20 points in a single game since Delaware all the way back on September 18th. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Penn State's lost four of their last five games and they scored 20 or fewer in three of those four losses and 24 in the other one. To put it kindly, both these teams have been disappointing in conference play this year. I'll tell you mine first and I'll throw it to you. I'm going with Rutgers plus 17.5, less of what I think Rutgers is capable of doing and more of what Penn State 
is not capable of doing. I have them narrowly hitting the over and narrowly missing the cover here, winning this game 34-17. to I mentioned how disappointing these teams have been in conference play. What team is going to come out hungrier on Saturday when both seasons have seemingly come off the rails? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think I have a potentially hot take almost. And I don't think Penn State is as bad as their record indicates. And I know they lost to Illinois, but Sean Clifford was clearly not healthy. And I know they lost to Iowa, and of course they were, you know, with missing their quarterback, you know, in the first quarter or whatever that was in that game. If those two things, I know it's a big if, if those two things didn't happen, this team would be 8-2 and two with a four-point loss to Michigan and a nine-point loss to Ohio State. And I think we would be talking about them much, much differently. I don't know if that's hot or not, but I think Penn State is a little better than what, what they look like right now. So I, I'm taking Penn State minus the 17.5. I don't think Rutgers is going to be able to do anything offensively. And Penn State, I think, is going to have something to prove with how their season has gone and losing four of their last five games. So I'm going with Penn State minus 17 and a half. And I am also barely, barely taking the over in this. I think I think there's just enough offense to do it. Been a one-sided series, like I said. Are you going to sit with me and think that this is going to be closer and they might give their neighbors a little fits on Saturday or are you going with Hayden and think Penn State large here, Casey? I actually completely agree with everything that Hayden said. You know, I said it before in our previous show. I thought that Penn State was the second most talented team. I, I really still kind of do feel that way. They just haven't, you know, performed well. And the, and the big key to all of that is the health of Sean Clifford. And, you know, this game could get tricky if he is not 100%, if he's not able to, you know, run the ball on some quarterback runs and whatnot. But... He showed last week that he's a competitor, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have faith that he's gonna he's gonna play and he's gonna do it well, and I think that Penn State is gonna gonna cover. I don't I don't think Rutgers' offense is any good at all. Meanwhile, I think Penn State, while this is I think it's their last home game of the year, I think they're gonna come out hot. I have them covering the seventeen and a half and winning. 35 to 14, which is the over, you know, like I wrote on the Google Doc there, Wally. Hey, I have a question that <laughs> you said this is their last home game, and this is maybe a little off topic. Do we think that senior day in college has an impact on teams' performance? I don't think it has the effect that you see in like high school, but I do think it matters to these guys and especially in these kind of careers where they had a year without the fans with COVID and it's a very unique experience. I think getting that one last home game, I think it matters more to these kids than a lot of people realize, especially the ones that are not going pro. Casey, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, it it should be a really easy sell. We'll really see how good of a coach James Franklin is if he can get his guys up because they're, you know, virtually playing for nothing right now other than maybe a, a better bowl game. So, you know, Rutgers is, is fighting for a bowl game right now too. So it'll be interesting if Franklin can get his team to, to play to the level that they need to. I've got the feeling that I'm going to be on the solo train on a lot of these games. And we're going to go into the next one. I think it might be more of the same. Iowa's hosting Illinois, and they're an 11.5-point favorite. 
and I think Iowa's got like a patent or a trademark on 11 and a half. It just seems like every time they play a bad Big Ten team, they're just locked in at 11 and a half point favorites. More of the same here. And again, in Iowa over under as well, 37 and a half. Interesting little stat I wanted to share with you guys here before I get your thoughts on this game. But I had always thought if you would just, without looking at this number, what the all-time series between these two schools were, I don't think I ever would have landed on this. Illinois actually leads the series 38-36-2. We'll see if they're still leading it three meetings from now. But as of today, they do have that little bit of a lead. Doesn't really affect anything in this game. Just thought I would throw it out there. I'm going to just open this up to you guys. We heard the news about Brett Bielma. He's not going to be coaching on Saturday against his alma mater due to COVID. That kind of makes it a little less intriguing to pick Illinois in an outright upset here. But do you think that they're going to be able to compete with this Iowa football team, especially on the back of Chase Brown? I think Bielema being out does have an impact in this game. But I, I actually think it might be the opposite of what people think. I think Illinois is going to be ready to go in this one. I really do. I'm not picking them to win outright. But with, with the way that Iowa's offense is... If Illinois can muster any points, maybe get a couple turnovers, they can be in this game, especially to cover the 11.5. So I have Illinois plus 11.5, and that might sound crazy, but I just do not trust Iowa whatsoever offensively, like at, at all. It's it, it's brutal. You said it best. This is one of those over-unders where you're like, what, 37.5? This is, is this 1960 or is this 2021? I don't know, but... Anytime I get a chance to bet an under below 40, I do it. So I'm taking the under. No, Hayden, I'm surprised. I thought that you were going to be on the other side. No, I'm with you. I think Illinois might even have a puncher's chance to make this an Illinois win here on Saturday. A few things that really stuck out to me this week, and I really did a deep dive on Illinois football. Some stats here for you. But say something nice about Illinois. Their offense might suck but their defense is actually not that bad. They've allowed more than 20 points four times this year, and three of those times was in their first three games of the season. And that was also the first three games under Brett Bielma. I I just feel like this team has really embraced what this coaching staff is selling, and this team is going to try really hard to get Chase Brown to kind of duplicate what Minnesota was able to do last week. I think they're going to try their best to shorten the game because they obviously don't have a passing game. And Chase Brown's a solid back that had he been somewhere else in this conference, I think we'd be talking about him a lot more. But then once October got here, Illinois is a 3-2 and two team this year. They've, their only real bad loss in there was Wisconsin up 24-0. That was when they figured everything out. I don't know. I just got a feeling it. it Iowa will win this game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think it is. I have Iowa winning this game 21-10, so the under hits as well. But Brett Bielma's Club does him justice on Saturday. Casey, are you with us and riding with the Illinois Illini, or are you going with your Iowa Hawkeyes minus 11 and a half? Boo. Yeah, I, I am not rocking with you guys. But, you know, if Bielema was coaching this game, I think I would have taken Illinois against the spread. What? It's funny because he literally was just talking about while you were gone about how he would not have... He thought that him being gone would have a reverse effect. Oh, well. Okay. I think it helps Illinois. 
Well, I completely disagree. I think if, if you were coaching, I would I would probably take Illinois against the spread. Illinois is a really tough team to to get a grip on this year. I mean, my goodness, they've had they've had some highs and they've had some really low lows. But uh, you know, I'm gonna ride with my Hawkeyes to get it done. Uh, I'm gonna ride with them to cover the spread too. Take the under in this game. Both offense, neither offenses are, are very good at all. But I have Iowa pulling this out, twenty-four to six. Yeah, for everyone at home, this is the behind-the-scenes stuff. Casey's computer crashed, so we talked without him hearing the start of that game. So that's the fun little backstory in the Brett Bielma stuff there. But Hayden, do you have any last words on this game before we go on over to one that might be at least a little bit more exciting? No, I just don't know how Iowa's going to score 24 points. We'll have to find out on Saturday. They've been struggling to score points all year. That's for sure. safeties. That's possible. Hey, you can mix Big in a Ten couple football. field goals. Yeah, exactly. A couple field position punts, you'll be fine. Our next game won't have as much of the, what, 12 safety component to it here. We have Michigan traveling to Maryland, where Michigan is a 14 and a half point. Trap game, question mark? Road favorite. Trap game, we'll see. I don't know. We'll talk. Then the over-under is a high over-under. I think it's the second highest of the week at 57 and a half here. Casey, we'll flip it to you this time first. This game looks like a mismatch on paper. How, if you are Mike Loxley, how are you going to try to keep this game somewhat competitive for Maryland? The easy answer is to not turn the ball over. When Maryland has really struggled this year, that's what's killed them. I mean, just like what any team would. I don't think that they do. I think Michigan either gets after Talia Tungaviola a lot with their edge rushers, or they force some turnovers. You know, Michigan is all, is one of, they might be the best team against the spread this year, going 8-2 and two so far. So I, I'm going with the odds, and I'm going to take Michigan minus 14.5, but my gut tells me otherwise. I think that this game might be tight, because typically Michigan doesn't play whoever their opponent is, the week before the Ohio State game very well. So, I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to lose the game. I'm not saying they're on upset alert or anything. But I just wouldn't be surprised if the game is a little tighter than many expect. But a, a little note here. I think this is a great matchup the week before Ohio State. Because their secondary is going to get a challenge. You know, Maryland, you know, Talia has the highest or the most passing yards in the Big Ten and, and whatnot. So, I think... You know, Rakeem Jarrett is a five-star wide receiver. Now, they're obviously not to Ohio State's level in depth, but it it should pose a a pretty nice challenge for Michigan. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna pick them to cover with the score being 35 to 13. Could see it getting a little closer. It, obviously, the scenario the scenario with 13, I have Maryland settling for a couple field goals, so I could I could see those turning into touchdowns and then Maryland end up covering the game. I find it kind of interesting that I do agree that, you know, Maryland might present some of the similar challenges that Ohio State does, but I don't think if I was a Michigan fan or a Michigan coach that I would want to play Maryland the week before, just because we kind of on this podcast at least are still a little unsure maybe of what Michigan's back four looks like. And... I guess I would want to play Maryland maybe a couple weeks ago to, in case they were exposed a little bit, you you would have a couple weeks to 
I don't know, maybe find some solutions. Like this week, if they're exposed, you're like, oh shit, now we play Ohio State, the, the, you know, in six days. So I don't, I don't know if that, if that is a, you know, benefit or, or not, but I said trap game. I kind of interrupted Wally and said trap game, question mark. And I don't actually think that. I think Michigan is going to win. I, I think it might. They they might be a little sluggish, maybe in the first half, first quarter, first quarter and a half, something like that. But eventually, I think I think they pull away and win this game rather com- comfortably. I guess. Casey, you mentioned how you know Michigan might the week before Ohio State. Typically, I feel like both teams. You know, they're obviously looking ahead to that rivalry that's waiting the next week. And I feel like Maryland, and this is going against my picks, I don't know. I feel like Maryland could pro- uh, provide some challenge where if Michigan is looking ahead a little bit, like Maryland's not bad enough that somebody could look right past them. Like they might be able to play. I don't know. I just, it's like the opposite of Ohio State. Ohio State obviously has a big game. So if they're looking past Michigan State, I mean, they're kind of crazy. With Maryland, you, you, Michigan might think that they can look by and that can make it a little tricky. I don't know, but I'm rolling with Michigan minus the 14 and a half. And I'm also taking the under. I thought the the total was a little, little high in this one. I know it's late in the year to be saying that we're going to be figuring something out about a team, but I do think that we're going to find a lot about the Michigan secondary on Saturday because they are ranked second in the pass defense in the big 10 this year. They've done really, really well, but there were three games that at least the defense gave up a few more points than we'd seen the rest of the year. When did they happen? They happened against Michigan State. They happened against Western Michigan. They happened against Nebraska. Three teams that are at least willing to throw the ball more often than most Big Ten opponents have been. I think that Maryland obviously gives that element of a pass-first offense that could be interesting to see. I don't know what's going to give because here... Just another thing, I keep saying, and I sound like a broken record every week because I keep bringing up Dante Demas' injury, but I finally just said, screw it, I'm going to go through and look. In the 23 quarters since the injury, and luckily his, not luckily, you know what I mean, he got injured right at the end of a quarter, so it made it an even clean split. But in the 23 quarters since the injury, Maryland has scored an average of 4.9 points per quarter, where before it was 9.2. I know that a lot of that is also a factor of who you play. Non-conference defenses are typically going to be a little softer than Big Ten opponents, conference play in general, but it makes you wonder how much of Maryland's fall-off is attributed to that, how much of it is just simply getting into better competition. This weekend, I'm going with the Michigan secondary. Has gotten better than we have seen in a little while. They're going to win this game. A similar score to you, Casey. I have it 38-17. to so I have the under as well. I don't know how Vegas expects this to get to 57 and a half. I suppose we'll find out. Vegas is a lot better than we are. But I, I am going to say Michigan by 21 on Sunday and the under hits. To follow up, Wally, I, I think the only way, and I don't I don't see it happening, the only way that this total gets close, I think, is if there is some vulnerabilities in Michigan secondary, which I don't know. We, K, Casey probably knows more than what I would know, but I, I feel like – Maybe there might be. Outside of Dax Hill, I think Dax Hill's really good. But outside of him, there might be. And, you know, if Maryland can expose that, then maybe they uh, run up not a lot of points, but a little bit here. I think it's just, it's kind of been tough to get a gauge on the secondary 
really since the Nebraska game where they were exposed, and I was kind of caught off guard when Adrian Martinez threw for 290 yards. I don't know what you could take away from last week because, yeah, they, they did shut down Jahan Dotson, but they also sacked Sean Clifford seven times. So that's that's seven opportunities that the, the secondary could have had to either, you know, look good or look bad. So you can't count on getting seven sacks every single game. But, you know, they're, they're still young, I would say. DJ Turner took over for Jamon Green, but Jamon Green is injured now and might play the Ohio State game. Rod Moore is a true freshman that took over for R.J. Moten a few weeks ago. It's, it's been really untested, I guess is what you could say. And, yeah, you know, it, they, Maryland does pose a nice threat. But if you're a Michigan fan or if you're the Michigan football team, the program, you don't care if you win this game by one point. It truly does not matter, obviously, as long as you win. You just want to get into next week and get preparing for that game. Very different opponents, but I think you can say the same for both Ohio State and Michigan, knowing what's coming next week. Survive in advance. We're at that stage of college football season. Get a win and you stay alive. You could say similar things for the next game as Wisconsin is hosting Nebraska. Much more important game for Wisconsin here because they need to win maintain that distance, make sure that they are in a position next week to beat Minnesota and win the Big Ten West and go to Indianapolis. This is a tricky game to me. They're eight and a half point favorites hosting Nebraska. And we all know, I think Big Ten fans know better than the rest of the country that Nebraska is not indicative of the record they have. They're three and seven, but they're a lot better than three and seven. Beating it like a, a dead horse, but they've lost all their games by nine points or fewer. What do we make of this game going up in this next week? We have Wisconsin, who's owned Nebraska since they've joined the Big Ten. Should we expect more of the same on Saturday? It's a it's a big-time game for Wisconsin. They have two tough, tricky games to end the year here with, obviously, Nebraska, like you just said, Wally, better than their record. So I think they're going to come out firing, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball on Nebraska I just believe that, you know, Wisconsin's rolling right now since they found their identity on offense to go along with one of the best defenses in all of college football. I, I think that Nebraska keeps it relatively close, but I think Wisconsin covers in the end and wins the game 31 to 21. And I know that 21 points is a lot to give up for this uh, Wisconsin defense, but I think Nebraska is, is known for like some, some tricky stuff. And I think that that'll kind of, come out this game and uh you know help them score some points so i have uh wisconsin covering the eight and a half i'm going with the over in a wisconsin game which feels really nasty but i got wisconsin winning like i said 31 to 21 you going with the huskers you going with the badgers hayden i am rolling with the badgers and I'm going to start with the total i i think call call is crazy me and casey i guess but i'm also taking the over on this and the reason I am is because I think Wisconsin is going to score like 38 points. And I guess that means Nebraska needs to score a touchdown to put the over, which I think they will. So I'm going to go with the over. I'm, I'm, if you couldn't tell, I'm also taking Wisconsin minus eight and a half, which will be the second time, right? Because Ohio State beat them by nine. The second time Nebraska is going to lose a game by two possessions, which is kind of crazy given their record. But... I don't know, Wally. What do you think, buddy? 
this is my the last shot. If I'm going to get back into the flow of the picks, which will reeks of desperation over, to me. It might it might reek a desperation to people, but I actually not only have Nebraska covering this game, I think they're gonna stun some people and go to Camp Randall and get a win on Saturday. They're gonna win this game twenty one to sixteen, so the under hits as well. Naturally I'm taking the Nebraska money line. And I'm gonna tell you why. Nebraska this year allowing only three point three yards per carry against them. If they're able to make Graham Mertz throw the ball in this game, I think that they could get themselves in a position to potentially win. Graham Mertz has only thrown in three interceptions since his disastrous start, four games of the season, where he threw, what, five, six picks in that first few games. I think that if they're forced to throw the ball in this game, Nebraska might be able to get themselves in a position to get Wisconsin getting into some of those bad habits we saw early in the year. If they can even get a little lead early, and my call is Samari Torre, you saw him have a big game against the Buckeyes, the Montana transfer. I think that he's got that athletic build that he could give Wisconsin a lot of fits in the defensive secondary. I have Nebraska winning in a very, very crazy ending of the game. I don't know if they score late to win or if Wisconsin has a chance to score late to win. Either way, the Huskers finally get over the hump after the Scott Frost news in the bye week last week. I think this is... Just a really tricky game for Wisconsin. Nebraska gets it done. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that that's a that's a bold prediction, Wally, but you know, Nebraska, they really need they really need this. They play Iowa the following week, which, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa back to back, two great defenses. And they might be three and nine. They might be three and nine to end the year, which would be absolutely insane with how close that they've been this year. So, yeah, uh, you know, Nebraska might play with some desperation and, and just uh, knock off a, a red-hot Wisconsin team. Bold pick. Faith in the black shirts, man. It's just weird. I don't know. It's just a weird game. We'll, we'll, we'll see, though. If I, it does reek a desperation. You'll know from my tone on Sunday morning talking about that game. But Minnesota is traveling to Bloomington. And, oh, geez. I don't even know where to begin anymore with Indiana. It's like somehow it gets worse week to week. In last week's 38-3 loss at home to Rutgers, I don't know if I can remember a lower point for Indiana when you factor in how high the expectations going into this season was. Minnesota's surprisingly to me, maybe you guys thought differently, they're only a 7.5 point favorite on the road here. And the over-under is set at 43.5 Indiana's lost every single one of their conference games this year. And they've typically looked pretty bad in doing so. But Tom Allen publicly chastised his team this last week. Feels a little bit too late. And you want to talk about reeking of desperation. But do you guys think we'll see any fight out of this Hoosiers team in the last couple weeks? Or have they packed it in? I'll go first because this is going to be short and sweet. I absolutely hate Minnesota. But I'm going to take the Golden Gophers here. And I wouldn't be surprised if they lose, even though Indiana is absolutely terrible. So, that's it. I hate Minnesota. Honestly, it makes me feel a little less good about liking Minnesota that you like them. Because you and Hayden, for whatever reason, they've been your like Achilles heel this year. Hayden, are you going with the Gophers as well to cover? Or do you think the Hoosiers might have a little bit of kick left in them? I literally hate both of these teams. <laughs> 
I don't know why, but I, I'm going back to the Minnesota well, and it hasn't treated me very good at all. I'm going Minnesota minus 7.5. This game has one of those spreads where it's like, what? Like, what is happening? And usually I would hop all over Indiana plus 7.5 if just because it feels like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those Vegas feels that you get. But Indiana is so bad, and I, I, don't, I don't think they can do it. Minnesota wins 24 to 10. I'm kind of close there with you there. I have a 10-point win, a little bit more points out of both teams. I have a 27-17 Minnesota. This just feels like a game. If you get a lead in, make Indiana quit, I think they will, and there's a chance we're talking about a Minnesota blowout. But if Indiana does score early, maybe get a little bit of life, a little bit of belief, that might be where you get a Minnesota, one of these gross games that they seem to play in every single week right now. But I don't know. With the quarterback situation in Indiana, I just can't believe they get it done. I have the over of 43.5 by half a point, but Minnesota to cover the 7.5. That's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back early next week to break down the Week 12 games and talk a little bit more about the non-conference season developments on the hardwood. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. My final thought for you guys is that I love the new Big Ten basketball ticker. I told you guys that the score bug at the bottom, it looks like CBS. It looks like they came out of like the 1950s finally, so I'm all about it. What would you two like to leave our wonderful listeners with? I have two final thoughts here that, that I jotted down. First off, Hassan Haskins being left off the Doak Walker semifinalist list is uh, criminal, especially breaking down all the other 10 finalists outside of like maybe four of them. It was just crazy to me that he was left off, especially after last week's performance. My other, my final, final thought is what in the heck is Michigan basketball doing playing at 12.30 in the morning on Saturday in Las Vegas. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but oh my God, that is absolutely horrible. That's going to be a brutal, brutal late night for me. But other than that, I, I cannot wait for the weekend to get here with these big games. And like I said earlier, the, the start of my Thanksgiving break. Aiden, final thoughts? I am begging somebody to buy some Kane Brown concert tickets that my wife bought for some reason <laughs> and uh i don't think we're going so if somebody could please do that and save me the 500 dollars that she spent no was it 500 i don't know how much it was go look at her facebook someone buy the tickets please how much does it cost with the big 10 promo code i'll give you five percent off Wow, that's a steal right there if you like Cam Brown. You know, and you know what makes me angry is I have all these people commenting on it. Why don't you just go? I'll take them for free. Get off my back. I didn't buy the tickets. Well, why, if I may ask, why were those were, were those purchased with the intention of you and her going? Okay, how long do we have to tell this story? Because it could be a while. I've never been to a concert before. And she's like, okay, well, we can go to one. And for those of you who don't know, I am not a country music guy. And I don't even know if he's country music. He's like pop country, whatever. 
I'm not going to see him for my first concert. At least I hope I'm not. Maybe she makes me. I don't know. <laughs> but she bought these tickets in like last May or June. Like she's had these for a long time. And now she waited until the weekend before to post them to sell them. So good stuff. Well, good luck, Hayden. We're hoping that you get those off your docket there. Also, last thing, Michigan State is up 12 right now, nine minutes into the first half. So you guys get off here. Go watch the Spartans get a first Big Ten win for the Gavit tip-off games. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you back here next week for episode 41 of Pigskin Denial.